Hello, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of our Below the Radar conversation series. Today, we talk with Angela Marie McDougall, Executive Director of Battered Women's Support Services here in Vancouver, Canada. With our host, Am Jo Hall, she discusses how COVID-19 is affecting gender inequality and violence within intimate relationships. Hi, good morning, uh, Angela. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, Below, the, Below the Radar. Um, wondering if we could just uh, begin uh, by you, uh, if you could introduce yourself a little bit. For sure. Thank you, Am. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, yeah, I'm Angela Marie McDougall. Uh, among other things, I'm Executive Director at Bad Women Support Services. Okay. Great. And can you share a little bit about the, the range of services that BWSS provides? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in order to talk about the services, I think it's, it would be good to talk about why Battered Women Support Services exists. Uh, there were six women that uh, decided way back in 1979 uh, to take action on uh, male violence against women in relationships. And this uh, was around the same time, interestingly, I'd say, there was a lot of progressive things happening in the late 70s and early 80s particularly around addressing gender-based violence, violence against women. And there were a lot of feminist organizations that were you know, sprouting here and there that were for- really formalizing and, and focused on uh, working for progressive social change in terms of gender relationships and looking at um, inequality in relationships. And so the, the six women that were a part of the forming of Bad Women Support Services back then, they were really clear about wanting to, in a a broad sense, working to end uh, inequality and to redress and address violence in relationships. And that was uh, was the goal, was to end end it. Uh, And that continues to be our goal, is to work toward uh, a society, a world where uh, there are, uh, that uh, we have um, uh, equity, and where gender relationships are uh, equitable, and that and, and intimate relationships don't uh, don't include uh, violence, abuse, or um, uh, inequality, and so that's our overarching goal. And then the other goal that the that the women had at the time was then to deliver support groups. Part of what they recognized, and we continue to recognize today is the, the ways in which isolation is a key factor of power and control that an abusive partner will use in, uh, in a relationship. And so the founding members of Battered Women Support Services uh, recognize the importance of getting women out of their houses and into a circle uh, where then uh, women can talk and share their experiences and can have uh, uh, hear, hear their story and how similar their experiences are with others and to know that they're not alone. And so alleviating isolation was really core. And so, so support groups were the, one of the main uh, services that, that the women started with that we continue today. And a matter of fact, one of the key groups that we offer is a Tuesday afternoon support group that's been operating uh, for over 40 years. And it's a drop-in and it's a, a way for, for women to come together and to grow and learn. And, and to alleviate isolation. Uh, the other uh, key uh, um, service that we started back in the, you know, the early, late 1970s, early 1980s was training. Uh, training uh, a peer support 
which is uh, the idea that as women, we all have an experience of inequality, of equity, and, and, to, um, and to take action in support of other women. And so train uh, women in order to facilitate support groups, provide crisis response. And so we've been, oper we've been operating a training, uh, offering a training, operating a training program for 40 years. And so between the support groups and the training program, that forms our key role, our keys, our key services. What's happened since is that then our crisis line formed. And our crisis line has become a very important uh, uh, resource for the community. And uh, the crisis line up until very recently was operating during the day, during the week. And we, through the crisis line primarily, we respond to over 18,000 requests for service, which is uh, anyone that's, that's dealing with an abusive relationship or perhaps a friend or a family member, coworker, uh, who is concerned about somebody and are calling the crisis line in order to gather information. To, and so we have a, a trained team that answers the crisis line and provides uh, support and so the, the crisis line, the support groups, the training program are, are central. Uh, and we also off, offer legal advocacy, which is that we have legal advocates that are experienced in criminal and family, immigration, uh, law specifically, and offer support to, uh, to anybody that is concerned about an abusive relationship and how gender violence interfaces with the law. Uh, so our support workers and our legal advocates are provide that support. That includes accompaniment, uh, information, uh, legal information, and uh, accessing other resources, including lawyers. Uh, and so that uh, is a key. Those two aspects, the victim services and the legal advocacy, are really important. We have an employment program, which assists uh, women that are wanting economic liberation and what we know is that uh, financial abuse is a key factor and a key uh, tactic of power and control in abusive relationships. And so, um, you know, so women are, we have a, an employment program that are, that staff with employment counselors and, and they are um, helping women to understand employment options, but also training and, and formal and informal educational opportunities and accessing those. Uh, we have an Indigenous women's program that is uh, by and for Indigenous women, and it uh, is basically every service that I just described and delivered by and for Indigenous women. Uh, counseling, we have a counseling program with uh, trained counselors uh, that are, many are registered clinical counselors and are providing counseling, uh, trauma-informed counseling. Uh, and we offer counseling you know, six days a week, um, so that's an idea of uh, some of the services that we that we operate, uh, but and as well as our, our systemic advocacy, it's a big part of what we do, which is about the social change and holding systems accountable. Uh, you know, violence in relationships, gender-based violence is it's a it's a big problem. It's a huge social problem. It's been with us for a long time in Canada since we say the making of Canada as a nation involves uh, baking in some of the inequality that contribute to gender inequality in relationships. And so our work is also to work for that social and systemic change. Thank you, uh, Angela. Now, 
the present uh, COVID-19 uh, period, yes. I noticed in the, the um, in media reports, that just your organization itself uh, has had an alarming uh, increase by 300% of calls uh, into your organization. What are some of the particular challenges that this moment around the pandemic, uh, how that affects the work of your organization, the kind of the needs that are out in the community? Right, so this, uh, so we, I guess to talk about this, I need to go back a little bit to, uh, I, I had the, the opportunity to, to go to China last year. I um, was a part of a, of a group of activists that met with Chinese activists uh, that were doing organizing around Me Too. Uh, and so that was uh, quite, quite um, it was quite great. It was pretty, pretty amazing to, to meet with activists there. And, and, you know, and the women that were there are, um, that, that at the time were taking action on Me Too and were, and there were some women that were actually detained and criminalized uh, in China for uh, organizing around uh, Me Too. So it was this shared experience of trying to work for a liberation and, and address um, uh, sexual violence, sexual harassment. And so when COVID-19 hit in China, you know, in the, the end of November, December, early January, I started to reach out and, and to pay attention uh, to a woman that I know in China and Beijing, Guangzhou specifically, and to get a sense of what, like, what's going on, like what, what's going on. And, and what was clear from the media reports and, and uh, you know, what I was hearing was that there was a real recognition that the increased isolation that was a part of COVID-19 was having an impact on um, women and that there were maybe not, you know, I mean, the, the question about whether there's increased violence is there's already a lot of gender-based violence. There's already a lot of domestic violence. So this, uh, so I'm not sure that there's been increases. However, the, uh, the compounding isolation, you know, abusive relationships by design are, are about isolation. So when we layer over another aspect of isolation, which was a part of the social distancing and quarantining that was being mandated, and um, that's only just started to, I guess, be lessened right now. I mean, that's the conversation right now is kind of how we're gonna live with COVID-19 now. Uh, and so what we did back in March was, we wanted to get out in front of this. We recognized that there was a real importance of uh, ensuring that there are services available and then letting women know that, that where that what those services were and getting the word out so we worked really hard to uh, to get the word out and we use social media and we're grateful for the media for the mainstream media uh, and podcasts and other uh, mechanisms that we were to get the word out and then when we got the word out we started to get calls and we realized right away that we were going to have to scale up our services and so we turned our crisis line into a 24-hour crisis line in a day. We managed to, to make that happen. And so then the calls to our line started to progressively increase. Uh, they, went, they went up, um, you know, and they hovered between 200 and 400%. Uh, it's interesting, the long weekends, the numbers go down on the long weekends. We've had a couple of long weekends uh, since March. And the numbers go down, like, over the long weekend. And in general, they've stayed, uh, you know, pretty high. Uh, and which is interesting because, you know, what we've heard from some of our colleagues in transition houses where the, the numbers have gone down, it's been eerily kind of quiet 
and that women aren't reaching out. And so, you know, it really just is a function of understanding the, the ways in which isolation, the compounding isolation is a factor for, you know, for women in, in terms of accessing support. The other thing that's been kind of pretty uh, glaring for us anyway, and we definitely wanted to, you know, to draw attention to this, was the numbers of women that have been killed uh, by, their, by their partners. And so we've uh, observed that, um, that since March, the end of March, the month, the month of April, you know, for about a period of 40 days, uh, there were nine women that were killed uh, by their domestic partners. Um, uh, Nova Scotia, there's killings there, including, that includes the mass killing, uh, but there was another killing. Uh, Ontario, Winnipeg, and, Alberta, and in Alberta. Um, and there's also some other killings of women that, that we don't have enough information on to kind of categorize it, but there was a girl that was killed in Thunder Bay. Uh, there was another uh, woman that was killed um, in uh, Saskatchewan. Uh, and so we haven't, you know, we, we recognize that lethal violence by men uh, against women in relationships is uh, a very, it's real and it is a factor and it is a part of what is, um, you know, on the spectrum of, of gender-based violence. It's on the, you know, it's on the far spectrum. And for every woman that's killed, we know that there are thousands more that are living in fear. And so we, you know, we continue to keep our foot you know, on the gas, as it were, in order to get the word out and to make sure that services are available and that women know how to access those services. Um, uh, Angela, with the uh, schools being uh, out the past uh, few weeks um, as well, uh, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the particular challenges that uh, you're, you're seeing inside your organizations around um, uh, that aspect of um, the restrictions that have been uh, put into place. Yeah, you, you, you know, this is, um, this is, a, this is real, like the, um, you know, for, for many of the women that access our services, they, you know, they're talking about the pressure of doing the co, you know, the parenting under quarantine, uh, and then the whole homeschooling and the challenges of that, um, for many women that we, that access our services, they were already, really pressured and struggle struggling with the dis you know the disparity in the responsibility around childcare and caring for children and um, and the ways in which children are used as well in an abusive relationship and so um, you know having children at home um, you know just created creates this tight kind of pressure cooker scenario where you know everybody is very a lot of anxiety, uh, walking on eggshells, being you know afraid uh, because the abusive partner, uh, usually the father, is very you know like angry all day long and uh, and you know and acts out in, in all kinds of ways. And so it's a it's created a lot of complexity for mothers and women that that in terms of the women that access our services and, and how to support children and how to be with children and a lot of tension in in all of the relationships. Uh, there, it's. Um, I would, you know, for many of our callers, that this is very hard, and we've actually heard from young people who have, you know, they've witnessed their mother's abuse for their whole life. They're young, uh, and they are, 
you know, they were concerned and are concerned uh, about being uh, in this very intense environment in their families. And so part of what we have, um, you know, that we've done is to ensure that, you know, our support for children continues through our organization. Um, can you hear that? Yeah, yeah, it's great. I live, I live with cats and they're, they're having a moment here. Um, the, yeah, it's, it's, there's this funny, you know that funny, uh, the woman that was watching the cats behind her and they were fighting, do you see that on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm not quite as unable to ignore them as maybe she could. Uh, the, um, yeah, you know, the children are uh, struggling. You know, in terms of children that are living in, in homes where they're witnessing their mother's abuse, they're struggling. There's no question. And the isolation is, you know, really comp compounds things. It's not easy. And if, if um, someone out there who's uh, listening uh, is in an abusive situation or someone knows someone who's in that situation, uh, what, uh, what can they do here in uh, Metro Vancouver and what are different services they may be able to access? I, I love that question um, because it's the, right now, one thing that's been quite unique with COVID-19 is that we're definitely seeing more community engagement on this issue. We see more questions, we see more people interested. There's certainly been way more media stories. Uh, we've gotten, the calls are reflective of that as far as people being concerned, coworkers, friends and family, neighbors. And so this is all really, really good. And uh, we're, you know, this is, this is, that's a good thing because uh, this is a social problem that we, it's a community problem. And so what I like to tell people to do is, you know, our website has quite a bit of information on it, uh, bwss.org. Our homepage right now is dedicated to all COVID-19 information. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, so there's lots of links and things there, but beyond that, the website has a, a lot of information about services, uh, transition houses all across the country, uh, all kinds of things that are um, important to know if you're concerned about yourself or someone that you know. Uh, and that, and that's, that's a really good place to start. The other thing that's on our website is a, um, a link. There's a, 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 an article there, kind of a very quick reading that is how to help a friend. And it's a how-to, it's a list of things that you can do to how to help a friend. And, you know, it's a, a chance to reflect on a way to be supportive and to uh, connect a friend with, uh, with, with supports. Uh, the other thing that's on the website, are, which is really, really good, is safety planning. There's a, a quite of a long tool that, is in the, like, that can be broken down to depending on what you're looking for. And that, uh, that tool is about how to, how to do a safety plan and how to assess for safety. And that's usually the first thing that we want people to do is to talk, think and talk about safety. And, you know, we, we say safety changes everything. So from our point of view, uh, in getting information, learning about how to help a friend, looking at the safety plan are very easy uh, and informative ways of, of getting aware. And then from there, there's opportunity to take action. And that way, if anybody wants to talk about how to take action, you know, you're welcome to call us. And we can talk about that, whether for themselves or for a friend or a family member. Uh, that's uh, and so our you know our our line is is available now 24 hours for information and to talk through anything 
um, you know, most of know somebody that it has or maybe is experiencing an abusive relationship, and and so that's uh, that's real, and and so the number and and the, and the website are, are places to get information, and then if somebody is concerned about themselves right now, this is you know an, an abusive relationship. This is another it, the the website and the phone are other ways to to connect, and if someone's not able to call. The text option is available as well, and that uh, um, the idea is to you. Nobody has to be alone with this at all, um, and and you're not alone. I mean, that's the the main thing. We're uh, we're a community of people that care and, and are taking action in a bunch of different ways, and that uh, around violence and relationships is one of the really important ways that we need to connect with each other, both in, in helping uh, people be safer. Um, but also to end it. I mean, the goal we can, it, it thrives in silence and in, in, you know, in silence and in isolation. So when we're shining a light on it, like you know, like we are today, this is this is a good thing. Angela, is there anything you'd you'd like to add? Uh, no, I'm just really encouraged uh, by this opportunity, and and I know that you've got some, you know the that your network is very engaged and progressive and. Uh, and committed to to justice and, and taking action. So I'm, I'm, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Below the Radar, Angela. Thank you all. Thanks again to Angela Marie McDougall for joining us on Below the Radar. Below the Radar is created by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement and is recorded on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Stay in the loop with Below the Radar by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Tune in next time for a brand new episode of Below the Radar.